Hey, hi, 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 listeners. Okay, welcome back to another episode. Now, before we dive into today's juicy conversation, I got a little disclaimer for you. Okay, so we recorded this episode with Uzo the day before the SAG after Screen Actors Guild Union went on strike. So if you're listening, being like, oh, Nicole's breaking the rules. Is she crossing the picket line? Is she a nasty little scab? Well, the answer is no. I love my union. I am also in the union. Um, I have, you know, tried to abide by the rules and not talk about people's projects on the podcast. Um, so when you hear Uzo promoting her projects, I don't want you all commenting about her being a scab or me being a scab because she's she was still under a contract pre-strike to promote her work. Um, and if you want to learn more about the SAG after strike or support the cause, you can check out the links in the episode notes. Now, without further ado, let's hear that tasty little theme song. episode of why won't you date me a podcast where me nicole buyer was trying to figure out why i'm single but guess what i've done it for almost six years and there's been no answers so i'm just exploring love and relationships and anything anything i actually really want okay my guest today i am so excited is a multi emmy award-winning actress who you know from orange is the new black mrs america and you can see her in painkiller the tellings of the origin and aftermath of the opioid crisis in America, now streaming on Netflix. I am so fucking excited. It's Uzo Aduba. <laughs> Uzo, thank you so much. Like, I'm I'm a very big fan. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love that rebel yell of yours just now. It, like, simultaneously was thrilling and sounded like... <laughs> A crowd of people. <laughs> like, I knew you were trying to... <laughs> well, thank you. I try to, I don't know, keep the energy up. I'm I'm a happy person. Uh, and yeah. truly, I'm so excited. I think you're so funny and truthful <laughs> in your acting. And I don't know. Like, you're just a joy to watch. And you have so much charisma. And it emulates through the screen. Honestly, you should be so happy you're you. <laughs> <laughs> That's comedy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So you are currently married. Mm -hmm. How did you meet your partner? <laughs> I met him at a young black professionals mixer in New okay. York. Yes. Um, that we both went to, except not knowing each other, mm -hmm. um, that one of my best friends, Lisa, Nicole, shout out Lisa. What up, Lisa? encouraged me to go to um and she and i with another best friend of ours my our friend angela wildflower poke we went and yeah we just started talking and um it was amazing and i know this is like you know your talk uh, your show talks about like the dating and the singleness of the world and you know mm -hmm. like all of this world and life. And I had certainly been in like that corner for uh, a good amount of time as well. I'll say that, you know, what was 
different in that experience um, from any experience I had ever had ever is it was easy to talk to him. Mm. Like I, for the first time, completely felt like I was being myself. I wasn't oh. hiding any part of myself. I wasn't trying to be what I thought he was looking for. Like I wasn't more concerned about his thoughts than my own. Like I just, it was easy. And we just were, we were there talking for two hours and it was like late. It was like 1030 when we started talking. And mm -hmm. what I thought was like 45 minutes was two hours. And another piece about it that was like so different. I had just been like praying right before that, a few months before that, because um, I was going into my hot girl summer. I remember I was like, I'm just living <laughs> my life. <laughs> what I was like, I'm a do me. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to like enjoy. And I'd never been in that place before. Um, but I had said, I was like, I want, I want like, what I want more than anything is like, I want it to feel clear. Like, I don't want to mm -hmm. guess because I feel like I was always in these like weird guessing games, you know, like, and then like, it was just like clear. His cl intention was clear. It was like, I want to see you again, period. Oh, I love that. I was just in Denver and I went to a sandwich place. It was very delicious. And the cashier was so hot and I thought we were flirting. So I invited him to my show and then he brought a woman and I was like, okay, I guess the intentions were not clear. I guess I read into a friendly face trying to take money for a sandwich and, <laughs> and blew it up into something it was not. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I am yearning for that like easiness that clearness the the like the point where you're like oh i absolutely know that this person likes me and wants to take me out again do you remember yeah. your first date like where you went besides the mixer yeah he took me to um this ethiopian restaurant in the west village it's not there anymore i don't remember the name i don't i don't remember the name but i remember it was in the west village in new york city mm -hmm. and it was great and I remember even though it was summer, like it was warm. And I remember um, <laughs> I was so late because <laughs> <laughs> I was so late because you guys want to hear, you want to hear the story. I was so late because it was the 3rd of July mm -hmm. and I had gone with my older sister and her kids, my niece and nephews to the beach and I was like, okay, I, I, we have to get back because I have a date later. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with you, but I'm not like swimming in the ocean. I'm just going to go up to my knees and I'm going to get my, mm -hmm. I'm going to do my hair before I go <laughs> and be ready. I had this weave in. I was like, I'm going to do my hair before I go, get my hair done before I go. And then I'll just like go up to my knees and like sit on the beach and be cool, whatever. And then the time came for me to go in the water with my niece and nephews were like frolicking in the surf and like having a good time. And then one of them went under, got like taken by a wave. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so I had to like go and grab them. And the next mm -hmm. it came oh, no. and washed over me, totally oh. assassinated my hair. Oh. And like, 
I went home and now I had to like blow dry my, and do and all this mm-hmm. time that I did not a lot for like getting home and like going on the stage and had to like blow dry my hair. And if you know anything about weaves, y'all, like, mm. you know, that the West <laughs> and the braids yes. were, yes. were not drying. They were no, not dry. Absolutely not drying <laughs> so, for like three hours. <laughs> yes. So every time I would straighten it, the cornrows would get it wet again. And then it would like start puffing and back. It was a, a disaster. Oof. Thank you. All of it. Oof. All of it. Oof. And so I kept texting him. And this was an <laughs> attribute of his that I love. I kept texting him. I was like, I'm so sorry. I told him in advance, I'm going to be late. He's like, okay, just get here safely. And he was just so patient. Mm-hmm. He was like incredibly patient. I love that. I also really love that, like, you saved a child. You're trying to dry your hair. You're trying to go on a date. You're like, I got to get all this done. I'm a superhero, but also looking for love. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It was a nightmare. That is a nightmare because it's like the tracks are wet. And then if you're trying to, like, (laughs) flat iron it or whatever. Did you have a leave out or was it a front? Oh, my God. So then it's like the leave out touches the wet. It pops back up. (laughs) Oh, my God. Then it's like, let me put it up. But then it's like, if you don't have leave out all the way around, then that's not going to work. Thank you. And and (laughs) we're trying. We're talking like an hour that I have. And it's like, this isn't. Mm -hmm, I have to take a shower. I need to put my makeup on. I need to get downtown. And now I have to deal with this weave. I was like, this is a joke. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love that he was patient. Um, Do you remember who said I love you first? I did. Oh, Oh, how did you know? When did you know? I just, I knew so early. Um, I mean, it's like almost, I mean, now it doesn't matter because we're married, but like, it was embarrassing. You know, like, <laughs> you're like, I already got him. I can't scare him away now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's embarrassing at the time because I was like, I like, should I feel like this already? Mm-hmm. Like, should I feel this way right now? And we were definitely, I mean, maybe like a month, two months in when I felt it, but I didn't say mm-hmm. it because I was like, you're going to be, that's your, that's a crazy person. Like you can't bring that to the table just yet. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I did, I said it, it was like December. So what is that? July, August, September, October, November, December, six months we've mm-hmm. been together. And I just remember we had gone to see um, that Aretha Franklin documentary, like Amazing Grace, mm-hmm. I think it's called. And um, after it finished, I just said it. And like, we had gone to see it. I don't know where it was playing. Um, we we're like, oh, let's go see it. I never saw that. Let's go see it. And we were walking back. And I just, and that morning I had been thinking about, I had been playing this Lauren Hill song that just made me like want to like say it so badly. Tell him, you know, that song, tell him. Yes. It'll be all right. Lauren's really like, just tell him it'll be all right. And you're like, okay, it'll be all right. Thank you, Lauren Hill. Yeah. So that was the day. That was the day. And did he say it back or did he say thank you? Because that's a big fear of mine. Telling someone I love them. And they're like, okay, that thank you so much. Noted. <laughs> yeah, duly noted. Uh, I'll write that one down. You're like, oh yeah. God. Yeah. 
No, he said it back. He said it back. We, But I also had like, you know, he had already, We, you know, I called them like big shares. We'd had like big shares before that, that like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into, you know, like here, like we'd had, we'd had big shares that like he put himself in spaces of opening his heart and vulnerability. And like, I had that made me feel safe enough to say it, you know what I mean? Um, to him mm-hmm. as well. So I, cause I, yeah, that, that was what gave me, I don't think I would have said it if I didn't feel that like safety, that openness and like vulnerability. I like that. I feel like, I feel like every relationship should be like that before you actually say, I love you. It's like, have we been vulnerable enough with each other? Or we, do, do I feel safe with you? I think that's a huge thing that I never think about until later, like in hindsight, where I'm like, I didn't feel safe with that person. That person was wild. I thought I, I could conjure love through this, but like it, the intimacy wasn't actually there. That's something I go through a lot. Well, and this is what I've had, me and my girlfriends have had a conversation similar to that where we would talk about dating. Like when my husband and I were dating, like I, I said, you know, I made this like weird discovery for myself. I was like, there is something, I don't know why, what we, whether it's like energy we can feel between each other when we're on dates. Like, I don't know, but it's like, there's something that clicks different when you feel safe that makes you Mm -hmm. like speak and be your true or at least that's how I felt like feel and be your like my true authentic self all the way because I was like I hadn't realized I was like every date I had ever been on before that had been had started on a lie Mm -hmm. like it's like a guy would ask me he'd be like what are you looking for and I'd be like oh you know just like (laughs) nothing serious Uh just want to like hang out and like have a good time and like you know, just like me, new people, like I don't want to do anything like too intense. You know what I mean? Like all a lie. Like it's like that was like totally not true at all. Like when I'm being when I was being honest with myself later, I was like, that was not what I was looking for, like at all. I was looking mm-hmm. for love. And I was too afraid to say that because I didn't know what that how that would be received, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like not to like let guys off the hook or let anyone off the hook, but it like kind of just made it like. I gave, then I would be surprised later. Mm-hmm. Like you, I got exactly what I asked for. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I feel the same way. I matched with this guy on an app and he seemed very sweet. I didn't read that he was polyamorous and no shade to anyone who's polyamorous. But like at this point in my life, I was like, I would like to be the singular favorite person of my person. And maybe down the line I could do it where I'm not jealous or whatever. But I was like, right now, I just need to be someone's favorite person. And they have their life, their goals, their dreams. But I am their person and they're only concentrating on me. And I was going to go out with him. But then I was like, wait, what am I doing? That's not what I want. So then I just told him, I was like, I would like to be someone's favorite person. And I'm not sure you'd be able to do that while dating other people. And he was like, Uh thank you for that honesty. And I was like, oh, oh. That didn't hurt me. That <laughs> yeah. Well, and it then makes he... me wonder. Yeah, it does. It doesn't it, like. And when you when that happens, like, doesn't it make you wonder? Like, or it made me wonder anyway. I was like, huh. I wonder how much heartbreak I could have avoided in the yes. past. And B, like, if I had been honest with myself out loud about mm-hmm. what I wanted, like, would that have freed him? You know, them up yes. to be like, 
oh, well, that's what I'm looking for too. But now we're mm-hmm. like all in this weird like game. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Absolutely. Because I didn't know that man. So yep. I was like, oh, I just, I avoided something that could have been bad just by being honest. By being honest. And I like, I feel like I took some of my own power away in the past by not being honest. Mm-hmm. Because then I would be forced to like confront my like a choice like it's like if I said like I'm looking for love and if he's like oh I'm not then I would have to like actually decide yeah. whether I wanted to continue going out with him or mm-hmm. not and it was just different like when we went on that first date he did ask me what I was looking for and I answered honestly mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know why I did I don't know but I did you know <laughs> Because I guess it was you felt comfortable and there was an ease and there was clarity. I think that's why maybe you felt like you could say that. Maybe I those are not wrong. I think that's like you're on spot on with that. Like I just felt like I could. And it's funny because with my career, I'm very honest. I'm like, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. And then I get like an offer or an audition for something that I'm like, ah, that doesn't really align with what I would like to do. And yeah. I'm very confident to to say I don't want to do that. But with like, <laughs> I feel like with relationships, I'm very much stuck in the beginning of my career where I was like, I'll take anything, yeah, anything yeah. that will pr- propel me forward and get me to what I need to do. Yeah, but I feel like yeah. I need to be more judicious. Is that a word I can use? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, SAT words. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Just try to be more selective with people because I don't need to settle in a relationship. Oh, boy. Who's a girl? No, you're too cute and too funny and too smart. No. Thank you. No. No. Um, Who proposed to who? Did he propose to you or did you propose to him? He proposed to me. Where? How? Tell me. (laughs) Well, ours was. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um. It, it was at home because we were in pandemic. Oh, okay. We were supposed to go to Tulum on a vacation mm. the week the world shut down. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and that I found out later that was when it was supposed to happen. <laughs> and he was like, obviously, it, we could not go anywhere. So he was mm-hmm. like, you know, like. So he's like, you know, I was thinking in my head, he's like, okay, this is me being him now, like talking. He was like, so I'm going to pivot. You know, I was like, it's fine. No big deal. He's like, I'm going to have all of our friends and family come over to the house and I have a party and we're going to go out like for lunch, like a brunch and then mm-hmm. come back and it's going to be a surprise. And then I'm going to do it there. And then like the state of New York put like, (laughs) (laughs) they're like, stay inside. No brunches, nothing. No, no gatherings. (laughs) It's like no gatherings. So it was like no gathering of like more than 10 people or whatever it was. And he was like, okay, that's out. He's like, okay, no problem. He's like, bet we're going to, I'm going to take her to her favorite restaurant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it there gonna be great and then like no restaurant like all restaurants are closed <laughs> everything like, is closed it's like no you can't come here no can't come here and you're like oh yeah. fuck <laughs> yeah so he's like forrest gump like nowhere to sit on the bot like just like <laughs> so crazy <laughs> so, <laughs> and so like then he just was like okay and i guess it's at home then <laughs> and 
in the house and it was mm-hmm. so sweet. He was just like, uh, did a really beautiful job um, putting it together. And um, I was completely caught off guard. Um, even mm-hmm. though he managed that we were just having a date night in the house, you know, because everybody was cooped up. That, or I thought it was a date night. Well, I guess mm-hmm. it was a date night, but that just ended in an engagement. Um, you know, and um, he did a really, Ugh. really, really beautiful job and turned our hell house around. And um, it was special and wonderful and just um, a testament to the guy he is. <laughs> <laughs> I like listening to you talk about him because you kind of light up in a way that makes me know that he's so special and important to you. And I love that so much. I love asking people about their partners. And when they just get this like smile on their face, it's so contagious. And it just makes me feel hopeful that somebody's out there for me. They are. They are. They are. Thank you. (laughs) Real quick, we have to take a break. How did you arrive at acting? In school, you know, like I was studying classical voice opera. And because I was doing voice performance, we had to take acting and movement and, you know, classes like this. And I had been taking a Shakespeare class. And, you know, in the morning, I'd be rolling around on the floor and... (laughs) doing all these, you know, weird, wacky exercises. And then in the afternoon, I would be for my, you know, voice performance degree, I'd be doing, you know, like musical theater and actually not musical theater, I'd be doing like musical history with like, you know, like Mozart and like Beethoven and all this other stuff. And I was like, I think I like the rolling around on the floor part. I was like, I'm more into that part. You know, like the more of the to be or not to be and less of the like magic flute of it all. And I just was like, I think when I get out of here, I think I'm going to be an actor. And that was exactly right. Like snap forward four years later. And that is exactly what I went on to pursue when I moved to New York after college. It was just like, it felt like the right fit. It felt like my people. It felt energy-wise what I was just into. And yeah. I love that. Um, I love that it only took you like four years to like, you know, start a career. Sometimes it takes people so much longer, but I think that's a testament to the talent. <laughs> <laughs> you were in Godspell, and I just want to say, so was I in no high school. <laughs> what did you sing? What were you doing? What did you do with oh. Tell me. She tried to sing. I don't know if it was successful. Um, it was. I did turn back, oh man. Oh, and excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> to excuse me. To overcompensate for not being able to sing. I just sat in the lap of, I don't know, one of the students' dads and sang to him, <laughs> which in hindsight, not appropriate. It's an interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> what song did you sing? I sang By My Side. Ooh, that's a good one. I loved singing that, but Turn Back, Oh Man, it's fun. Very, very saucy. I had a, um, a like a feather boa that I would put on people. Yes, yes. That maybe perhaps needs to be the theme song for Why Won't You Date. 
Like, could you imagine if you're like signing in? Like, it's like, hi, I'm the Cobar. Turn back up. Oh, oh man, for swear thy foolish words. You sang it well. Come on, Nicole. Oh, I heard that. Well, I heard that thank voice. Thank you. I've been taking singing lessons because people constantly ask oh. me if I can sing and I can't. And I'm trying to change that that narrative in my life. I love. That's cool. Did you just start or is that like, isn't it, is it, do you, I don't know about you. I mean, I love to sing so much and I sing mm-hmm. all the time, like in the shower, I sing when I walk my dog Fenway and I'm like one of those, <laughs> like not afraid AirPods in, like on the street, fully like full out, just like obnoxious, like not that. like full out, like giving you a not concert, like belting, but, like, but just no, really exactly. feeling just, yourself like, unapologetic about it. Yeah. So like notes that are too high. I don't care. <laughs> I'm reaching for them. Hand me a ladder. I'm going to get up there. You know, like that's mm-hmm. what I'm into. But I find it so freeing. I don't know if you're finding that in voice lessons, but it's like, I love it. I am finding it freeing. Here's what I discovered. Singing is kind of intimate because there's like, a, you're like, you're good or you're bad. And to me, that's intimate because being funny, it's like, oh, you don't like that comedy. That's fine. But it might be funny to somebody else. But singing is pretty universal. It's like, you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's like a circle of good. Like you could be like bad, but then have such an interesting bizarrely like. You know what I mean? Like you could be like so bad you come yes. back around to good. Where like, it's just like, like, boy, that was interesting. Yeah. I- <laughs> she has such an interesting sound. Like it's like. Uzo, I want to ask you about this. So right before booking Orange is the New Black, you almost retired from acting to go to law school? Yeah. Well, what a generous word, retire. Um, <laughs> um, thank you for your generosity and kindness. Of- Yes, I almost chose to no longer act. Um, Yeah, I did because I was, you know, going after this thing. And, you know, anybody who's ever pursued it or pursued anything that they wanted that's hard, you know, to be honest with you, it's hard to take those no's when it comes to your passion, what you feel like is your thing that you're supposed to be doing. And I, I just really, I, I, I felt so lost, honestly, like Mm -hmm. I just felt so lost and thought this is where I was supposed to be in life. But it felt like all the signs and markers were pointing to no. And I'll say this also. Another key piece was that it was the first time that I had been willing to dare out loud for my dreams. You know, I had been in theater and I wanted to do theater terribly my whole life and I loved the theater I was so proud and happy to be a theater kid but I also knew there was another corner of my heart that wanted to do film and be on screen but you know the world was so different when I started on Orange you know the landscape that we see now today you know where we it was just not what it was and I didn't see really space at the table for me so I never even dared to like say that out loud, you know, that I even wanted to do something in that arena. Like, who was I? Who do I think I am? And so when I started to pursue it aggressively and just kept getting shot down so hard with like nose left and right, I started feeling like the reason why you were afraid was correct. Like there isn't space for you in this thing, you know, like you're not supposed to be here. You're, you're not what you're not what the people want you're not what this 
community wants, your you were right in being afraid and feeling other and like there was no space for you. So this isn't supposed to be. It's not meant to be for you. And you should go and figure out how not to waste your life um, <laughs> and, and go do something else that could be satisfying and that you have you know, a talent for, and you've been trying to like push away. And so, you know, I can talk a lot. And my parents knew that from the moment I opened my mouth, (laughs) they had always thought I would be a lawyer because I was so chatty. And um, I said, you know, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. And you're, you're being silly out here in these streets, trying to think you have any business being on camera. And so, yeah, I was going to go and become a lawyer And that day, very quickly, my whole life changed. And I got the phone call for, this was in September, for an audition that I'd had that August for Orange is the New Black, that they would like to. There was actually a place of people who wanted to invite me to be part of their story and their world. My life has never been the same. I really do love that story. I also love that Crazy Eyes initially was only supposed to be in two episodes. And then you were so undeniably good that they were like, no, we need more of this. That's exciting to experience (laughs) as an actor. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's incredible. It was so crazy. Yeah, like, I remember, like, you know, being on that call and, um, you know, talking with my representation and they were saying, you know, it's three episodes, possibly a fourth. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that line. It's like, possibly a fourth. And I remember being like, you know, I had never, I hadn't literally, Nicole, when I say literally, y'all, I mean, literally, I'd never booked anything on television before mm-hmm. or anything. So, you know, this they were like, it's three episodes, possibly four. And I was like, that felt like the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Like I had got, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that. Like winning like, the lottery. Oh, yeah. yes, girl. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> three episodes? Me? <laughs> moi? You're kidding. And they weren't. And um, so when I did those three episodes, I was over the moon. Oh, my gosh. You couldn't you could not bring me down from cloud nine. I was so excited. I was just like, this is amazing. And I remember one of our producers was walking me back to my dressing room after I finished the third episode. And she says to me, she said, um, she's like, you know, great job. Um, We're going to use you more. And I, all I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get to do that fourth episode. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what, I <laughs> yeah. that's what I thought she meant. Like, yes. I was like, oh, I'm going to get to do the fourth one. Like, and then I'll be done, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, <laughs> and that'll be it. You know, and I was like, great. This is amazing. This is like the best thing ever. Little did I had no, I, no, 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 no idea that they meant anything else beyond mm-hmm. Yeah, seasons and seasons. That's so wonderful. Were you dating during that time or were you married? Was I definitely wasn't married. Mm-hmm. Um, dating. Yes. <laughs> did did relationships? Yeah, maybe, but no? loosely, like I'm uh-huh. not like I don't. It, no one six. No one clearly. No one memorable. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> After yeah. the show came out, did dating change for you? Since like you were being recognized, were there were there people slipping in the DMs going, "Hey, who's on? Come on!" 
I I got some yes, I got some DMs for sure. But it also did change in that it was like it's weird. I mean, dating itself is weird, let's be honest. You know what I mean? It's like dating is like so bizarre. And I was never like, get in there, like, you know, like <laughs> you know, ever anyway. I have like a slow, soft approach. When the show hit, I think what was what did change was that it was like weird. Well, I'll tell you. Okay, I'll tell you this story. It was weird to like already be known by someone. Mm-hmm. So when I first started the show, right before, right before I had joined, how was it? Oh God, I'm forgetting now. Maybe it was like Bumble. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Like I had joined, <laughs> I had joined some dating. Something, you know? Yes. But, yeah, I had joined some dating app right before. And I just remember like our then the sh- and I had been on it, you know, and like had like, you know, casual my, my you know, medium activity, whatever. And then the show came out and I had stopped paying attention to it for a minute. And then the show came out. And then I, for some reason, I don't know, I don't remember why, but I went on on the app. And it was like, there were like three people that hit me up on it. And it was like, they were like, you're the girl from Orange is the New Black. <laughs> and all, each guy, all of them, they were like, the guys were like, you know, do you, I'd love to take you out for dinner. Like, this guy was like, oh, yeah, I just started watching the show. You know, you're so great. And I was like, I think I should probably get off this. <laughs> Be out here with like, you know, things to know about me, like mm-hmm. things I think about, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. <laughs> Um, so that just was like, I think it changed in that way where it's like mm-hmm. sort of like the natural discovery you would have on a date, you know, of each of you like asking questions, like he's asking you like whatever and I'm asking whatever I'm asking him. And like to suddenly like you have all this information about my life mm-hmm. and I have none about you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it feels very uneven. Uh, I've had that experience where I've like dated people and then we stop dating and then I'm like, well, I have no more access to you besides like what you post on like Instagram or whatever, but you have all this access. If you ever want to check up on me, you can find me truly anywhere. Yeah. Like I'll be on a billboard sometimes. You Like I'll yeah. be on your favorite podcast sometimes. And I always wonder what it's like for them. I guess fine. Cause no one has reached out to be like, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I wondered that as well. Like, I thought that as well. Like, I'm just like, well, I've also changed my number, so probably unlikely, mm. yes. But, like, I, I have wondered that, like, before as well, where I'm like, wow. You know, because normally it should be, like, you break up and, like, both of you disappear from each other's world. And, like, I wondered that to, like, exes before. I'm like, I wonder what he's doing. And to your point, like, it's like I can, like, think back i can like go on insta mm-hmm. i don't follow anybody but i could like go on instagram and see what they're doing and it's like that version of them is all i have access to and it's like for all i know like somebody could be listening to like every to this you yes. know what i mean like, yeah. like, isn't that wild be, to like, think about tuning in and like yeah. hearing me say these things which is to let you know right now if i can take a minute <laughs> <laughs> No. Could you imagine if I turned this into that? I was like, <laughs> it would be very funny. I would love it. <laughs> you grew up in Massachusetts? Yes. How was that? Was it predominantly black? Was it white? I grew up in a white neighborhood. So dating for me was, I think, a little tough. 
I don't know if it was like inherently said that like maybe parents didn't want their kids to be with a black girl. But like I was truly in high school, never close to ever being in a relationship. Was it the same or was it different for you? No, it was the same for me. Um, I grew up in, yes, the same, predominantly white um, area. You know, Boston, historically, I think is fairly well known for being like quite a segregated northern city. Mm-hmm. And that was true in my experience as well. Um, yeah, I like I listen, I'm not in those households and in those rooms with those parents speaking to their children when it comes to like the birds and the bees and whether it was mm-hmm. like overtly stated, like, don't do this. What I do know is I know that the feedback I was getting in terms of like what is beauty. And what is beautiful was very clear, whether that was like intentionally meant to exclude me from that category or if it was just due to the gaze that was historic, was appreciated. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had the very clear understanding that the idea of beauty from people's mouth was Blonde hair, blue eyes, brown hair, brown, you know, hazel eyes, Mm -hmm. green eyes, something like this. And for me, I interpreted that to mean, well, then the opposite of that must not be beautiful to you because Mm -hmm. I, I have the direct opposite color of that. And therefore I will never be blonde. You know what I mean? Well, Mm -hmm. today's day and age. Yes, I could be. (laughs) God bless. Slap on a wig, but not naturally. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, we all love an install, but like, you know, like not naturally, exactly. And so I think it was totally apparent why then, like, my dating wasn't happening. And not just for me, but for my, you know, both my sisters as well. You know, I'm one of five. I have two brothers and two sisters. And my brother is dated, which I think speaks also to culture. Sure does. Right. But neither of my sisters and both of my sisters, I'm clear. Forget about how I interpreted it. I was clear mm-hmm. are beautiful. Like they're gorgeous girls. You know what I mean? But yeah, not neither one. That, yeah, that's always so interesting to me that black men tend to have a, a better time than black women dating. Like I remember growing up, my mom used to tell me to tuck my butt so my butt wouldn't seem as big. So like just to like fit in more. And as I like I grew up and then I was like, wait, big butts are in now. But even yeah, if they weren't yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> I'm like so proud of my body now. And it did take a while to get there. But, you know, she's here and she's happy. It just. Yeah. And that was true. Like not even just to single out my sisters. Like now I'm even thinking about it. And I'm like, that was true for like all the women of color for the most part, not like categorically, yes, there was like one or two like girls of color, brown girls, you know, who dated, but like Asian girls, brown girl, Indian Mm -hmm. girl, like Latin girls, biracial, you know, like it didn't matter the hue and the range. Like within our community, the town, Mm -hmm. we're not dating. Like, so, you know, you do the math, however you want to do it. You know what I mean? The math wasn't mathing. The math was not mathing. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick, we got to take a break. Can I ask? 
ask you. So your mom passed away uh-huh. in 2020 and you did a show called In Treatment. And you said that that helped you process your grief. I find that really therapeutic that like a job could help you process things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about it. You know, the show starts with a woman who has just lost a parent and had lost her mother, who she was more close to, you know, growing up and sigh and but still has to go to work every day and perform at her job, Mm -hmm. you know, um, professionally. And we laid my mother to rest the day before I had to fly to California to start work on in treatment. So I was like rubbing right up against, and God bless that entire production. Thank God. I mean, HBO and our producers on that show, I will forever be grateful to them because we were supposed to start earlier, but they paused and waited to, you know, like when you are ready, we are ready. And it was a place to busy myself It was a place to hear other people, though fictional, their pain and to concentrate on someone else's other than my own. Um, It was an exercise in figuring out how to go out into the world and know you have just had like the biggest heartbreak of your life and know that you got to kind of like find somewhere or something to do with it while you're still having to like manage and exist in the world um, at your job. Mm-hmm. And it, it gave me a place to like, I remember when I would be working and we'd have these moments where my character Brooke she would have these like big emotional, big emotions just come out. Um, it gave me somewhere to put those big emotions that I was already myself feeling in light of my mother's, you know, recent passing. Um, because mm-hmm. if I went home to feel it, there was like, it was like a faucet I couldn't turn off, you know, but it gave me a place to just be able to put those feelings and get them out and then come back you know, um, and be able to be a human, a wife, a sister, mm-hmm. an aunt, you know, all of these things um, somewhat more effectively. Feels very cosmic to get that role when something like that happens. I um, I was on a show called Grand Crew. It got canceled. But uh, I played a, a woman who lost her mother but still had her father. And both of my parents have... Uh, they did. I'm sorry. But uh, it was... It was, the storyline was, no, it's fine. I, I, you, you got to yeah, figure yeah. out how to get through trauma. But the storyline was uh, me and my brother, our dad, started dating this new woman. So we tried to sabotage the relationship. And for me, that was super therapeutic because I was like, if my dad had started dating another woman while he was living, I would absolutely <laughs> do that. So it was like kind of fun to yeah. play that. And it was just fun to play with someone who actually kind of resembled my dad in tone and in looks. Um, And that felt good. It felt um, because my mom, my mom died when I was 16. My dad died when I was 21. So 
it is trauma that I've like worked through. I've worked so hard in therapy to just like be okay with it. And then getting to play that part felt like another step, another layer of being okay with it. So yeah, I fully identify with getting a part and getting to put emotions that you have just in you on the screen for other people to either identify with or enjoy or be like, that's how I fucking feel. I, I truly do think acting and television and stuff is magic and I love getting to do it. Do you feel the same way that it's magical? Oh, that, yes, thousand percent. I mean, it's the closest thing. I mean, humans can't fly outside of a plane, but like it's how I imagine that feeling mm-hmm. to be like, it's just like the freedom and the absolute escape and like the rush of wind that I feel like when I mm-hmm. do it, I, I can't get enough of it. And I love everything about it. Um, even the heart, even the heart. Same. I love everything about it. It has helped grow me in ways that I never imagined um it has helped me you know even painkiller you know i do know you know being what it says to be a parentless child my father passed away right before i started work on that show and um you know just being able to to have again another place to just sort of like escape to and mm-hmm. sort of it's not you know obviously the, sh- the show he he this premise of the show does not have anything to do with uh his passing but somewhere to sort of go and Mm -hmm. and to exist and feel i i i am so grateful for art and its power and its magic for that that's so interesting that that happened twice that you had jobs with both of their deaths Mine is the same. I was in uh, a play in high school when my mother died. So it was like therapeutic to be like, oh, I don't have to be me for these hours. And then when my dad died, I was in an improv class. So again, I was like, oh, I don't have to be me for these hours. I can like be an elephant that's, you know, flying with Batman or whatever. Uh, But yeah, like art is so powerful and so wonderful. I do want to talk about Painkiller. I haven't seen it yet because we're recording, I think, before it's dropped. But I watched the trailer and it looks good (laughs) it is such a fucked up premise though it's the Sackler family who introduced opioids into the zeitgeist and they were like prescribe more and the take on it I think is it's like um serious but also since like not sensationalized Matthew Broderick I feel like is playing such a big 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 character who's like flashy but also fucking evil and (laughs) and your part in it I think is so like it, it felt intense. Was it intense to shoot? It was intense, but Matt and Matthew does such a. I mean, Matthew's such a phenomenal actor. I love him so much, and I've been a fan of his forever. Um, he does such a mm-hmm. great job of like embodying this huge family name that we all have come to identify with, OxyContin, but also like he is literally, quite literally, like the face of Purdue Pharma, like in that show, and is able mm-hmm. to like hold that space in such a I think really genius and like slippery way you know (laughs) he just makes because that's what that is you know like when we the insidious nature of of uh this particular um corruption and and, Mm -hmm. and abuse of itself he was just so so fantastic in his portrayal 
it it was though it was so intense because it's like I learned a lot walking up to the show. I did mm-hmm. not know a lot about Oxycontin going into. I knew what neighborhoods and regions that it had ravaged from a news cycle level, mm-hmm. but I had no idea the numbers, the strategy, the the deliberate nature and real precision that was used to introduce this country to that drug. I really had no idea mm-hmm. how intentional it was. And to learn that going in and throughout the process was overwhelming because and 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 a lot to carry because it was really watching what it means to be preyed upon. There are so many different ways to prey on the human spirit. And the idea that people would take not only our most economically vulnerable, but also people who are in their most physically vulnerable place in their life, take advantage of that and exploit that in such an obscene way was just tragic to learn. Yeah. It's real fucked up. It's to like give something to someone that's highly addictive with no way of getting off of it or that's no right. explanation. I dislocated my ankle December of 2020 and I'll never forget my doctor was like, take the painkillers for a week and then after a week, only take them to sleep at night. Do not take them during the day. And then I was like, well, what if I'm in pain? He's like, you have a rod. You have nails in your ankle. Of course you're going to be in pain. Just live in the discomfort because you don't want to keep taking them. And he's like, and I'm not prescribing you anymore. So, And then I remember one morning I woke up and I was like, oh, I got to take my pills. And I was like, oh, that's uh, what he's talking about. That's exactly what you you just become a person. Like you just you're like, I want to take them so I can get through my day. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to be in pain. And that's what I had to keep just thinking. And I was like, this is insane that we just prescribe this to people and then keep prescribing it. And I do understand that some people do have chronic pain and do need to be on it. But it is for injuries it, like there there was no game plan besides him being like, just don't take them after a week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, and that's even like crazy about like, yeah, like the education behind it. You're like realizing and learning. It's like the only group like I think I'm I'm paraphrasing this probably somewhat poorly. It's like. But it was like determined in their, you know, like studies and research. It's like for people who are like terminal, like that's who this mm-hmm. should be ongoing for. You know, that's the level of pain that yes. sh- of people who should be using it. It's like people who are not going to live to see the next year. You know what I mean? Like that's who should be getting mm-hmm. it religiously, not for people who like twisted their ankle, you know, what I mean? or whatever, you know, or getting their wisdom teeth taken out you know like Mm -hmm. which is what how i was first introduced to it you know i the one and only time i've ever taken it was i had my wisdom teeth pulled and was prescribed to me and i was on the phone with my mom and she was asking me like i think i must have said to her like they gave me pain medicine and she asked me and i told her and i was like oxycontin Mm -hmm. blah 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 whatever else and my mom my parent my parents were from nigeria are from nigeria and she was like only take it tonight and after that, 
flush it down the toilet. She wanted me to flush them, girl. And I was like, I mean, yeah. And I was like, she's oh, hey, mom, you know, whatever. And like the next day she called and she was like, how are you feeling? I was like, I'm feeling good. She's like, did you flush that medication? I was like, <laughs> I was like she was real focused on the flushing. I was like, no, I haven't yet. And she was like, make sure you flush that thing. You know what? <laughs> like, don't throw it yeah like she was like she could see me like fishing through the trash or you know then she was like what make sure you flush that thing and i was like all right and i did because i was like i don't know you know whatever she's watched it's yeah, like she, she might watched be a lot of nightly news clearly is. uh-huh uh. working on something as intense as that how do you what do you do to like shake it off like what do you do when you go home to be like let me get all this shit out of my head you know we were up in toronto when we were filming that and we did a lot of like dinners out um Mm -hmm. there was a park near where i lived and i would go and sit in the park like this is when the the weather was warmer i'd go and sit in the park a lot i also would watch this raccoon family a lot in the back of the house That was the least expected thing that I thought you would say. I watched this recovery. That was like in my backyard. (laughs) Because when I first moved in, they were like so like intense, like about like locking the doors and like making sure the lock was on, not just closed. They're like, because those raccoons get in this bucket. And I was like terrified of like raccoons coming in. But then, and like I like saw them one day, like this family, and I was like, holy shit like <laughs> these raccoons are really really close like <laughs> they're really trying to get in here yeah exactly like one day they like were on the deck like at the door like paws up on the glass like <laughs> trying to figure it out and i was like must lock these doors but yeah i would like watch them in the backyard and be like what are they gonna do today <laughs> <laughs> i love that does your husband travel with you for work or do you operate long distance? How do you deal with that? We do both. We do a bit of both. Like he doesn't come and stay like for the duration because he has his own life. But yeah, we both go co- go back and forth. Like we figure out, you know, is what's the schedule, the, either the shoot schedule or, you know, done plays to, you know, what's the rehearsal schedule. And um, accommodate both. Like he'll usually come for like two long stretches, you know, and then like I'll go back in the interim uh, for like longer weekends. And he's also in the industry as well, right? Yes. He's a filmmaker. Have you collaborated? We have not collaborated yet. I mean, we collaborate in that like he helps me learn my lines Mm -hmm. and my parts and works on you know things like that for me um and when i it helps me prepare um i've read his material excuse me i've read his materials and looked at storyboards and things like this or like before he's you know first pass edits he did a music video last year and like i was like looking at that you know like see before he did mm-hmm. his final edit to be like what, what how do you you know what do you think and what do you think about the color correction and mm-hmm. things like that so that's the most we've done um but who knows who knows what the future will hold 
Uzo, thank you so much for doing this. We've come to the end. And okay, I ask all of my guests this. It's theoretical, but would you date me? Yes, of course. Oh, Why not? Thank you. Ah, oh, what a dream. Yeah. Thank you. Sometimes people go, no, and my feelings are what? Hurt. No, um, <laughs> you're a cash. <laughs> thank you. Uzo, do you have anything that you want to promote? Painkiller, which is out now. Um, yeah, everybody take a look. Check it out on Netflix. I honestly can't wait to watch it. The trailer looks so good. Um, if you like this episode of Why Won't You Date Me, you can like it. You could rate it. You can subscribe on like Apple Podcasts or whatever. And if you write me something dirty hitting on me to Why Won't You Date Me podcast at gmail.com, I will read it. <laughs> this person's... <laughs> This person said, Dear Nicole, have you ever had a pearl dragon before? I haven't. It happened to me once when I was about to swallow. Then I sneezed and cum shot <laughs> out of both my nostrils. I want, <laughs> I want that for you. Oh, why? I'm going to throw fuck you until I'm just edging, then toss a dash of pepper in the air to make you sneeze as I finish. And wham, cum will start gushing out of your nose. <laughs> It'll burn a little, but oddly, you'll like it, Uzo's face. And then I'll drink. <laughs> drag my balls across your cum-covered face, turning them into little pearls. You'll say, what a treat, what a dream. Welcome to your new kink. Love you, bye. <laughs> Had you heard of that prior to reading that email? Not at all. No. <laughs> I don't, no, I've never heard of that. That was a good one. Thank you so much. <laughs> Uzo, thank you. Learned something new today. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer is produced by me, Mars. It's executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. With talent bookings by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Maddie Ogden. Got a question, crazy dating story, or a dirty message for Nicole? Write it to Why Won't You Date Me podcast at gmail.com for a chance to have it featured on a future show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye-bye. 